and welcome to Business Disability Forum's podcast, Business Disability Debates, brought to you with the help of our sponsor, HSBC. I am Diane Lightfoot and I'm Chief Executive of Business Disability Forum. And this is the third in our short series of podcasts to examine and discuss the topic of neurodiversity in the workplace to coincide with the launch of our new neurodiversity toolkit. Sponsored by Microsoft, our Neurodiversity Toolkit aims to help you become more inclusive to neurodiverse employees, customers, clients and service users. It has advice on workplace adjustments, creating positive environments and recruiting neurodiverse talent. It's available free to all of our members and partners on our Knowledge Hub and has been created with the help of our members and partners, BBC Cape, Santander, PwC, HSBC, Oracle and Willis Towers Watson, plus our expert partners, Do It Solutions, Genius Within and Lexic. So for this instalment in the podcast series, I'm delighted to be joined as my guest today by Stuart Blair from the Workplace Solutions team at TextHelp. Stuart has been with TextHelp for two years and specialises in helping public and private sector organisations to maximise their workforce productivity and increase their customer engagement. Sounds good. He does this by creating inclusive working environments where everyone, including those with neurodiversities, can achieve their personal and professional goals and by removing communication barriers online to bring equal access to the web and facilitate self-service. So hello, Stuart, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Diane, and thank you very much for the very colorful uh, introduction. Certainly, I didn't realize that my role and my job sounded as good on paper. Oh, it sounds, sounds fantastic. <laughs> Doesn't it? It does, and I'm sure it's gonna sound even better in conversation. To kick us off, could you tell us a bit about your background and what you do? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, so like you'd mentioned there, I've been with TextHelp now for uh, just over two years. TextHelp, we provide sort of assistive technology, which enables organizations from a staff support point of view, but also from a website accessibility point of view. Um, a lot of what I do within my role is, is going into organizations and really trying to drive home the message and being an evangelist for the whole diversity and inclusion piece, particularly around individuals who, who may have neurodiversities and trying to educate organizations on some of the specific needs and requirements that they may have. Within TextHelp, we've also gone down the line of trying to be an educator to the general workplace. So we have a host of neurodiversity resources similar to yourselves um, and guides for managers on, on how to deal with particular staff members with particular neurodiversities, um, as well as how to look along certain organisational things such as the Disability Confidence Scheme, which we're massive supporters of. Thank you. I really like the evangelist and educators side of things. See, I knew it would be just as good in conversation <laughs> as on paper. And you, you also talked about uh, the resources and the importance of educating managers. So for those who haven't had the benefit of TextHelp's um, evangelism yet, what do you think are the benefits for our neurodiverse colleagues working from home at the moment and how can things change for the better? Yeah, it's, it's a really great question, uh, specifically given the, the current situation that the world finds itself in. Um, I think a lot of organisations have had to be very adaptable and, and possibly adaptable much more quickly than they were expecting to be. Um, what I found over the past sort of two years is neurodiversity seems to be very much at the sort of embryonic stages of a lot of organisational 
networks. Um, whereas disability has been there for a longer time, LGBTQ plus has been there for a longer time. Neurodiversity seems to be quite a new conversation for a lot of organisations. And I think the pandemic that we find ourselves in now has made organisations, like I said, have to work more quickly to adapt to that because you have some of the usual sort of distraction and noise and obstacles that would usually be presented in the workplace are no longer difficulties when a member of staff is having to work from home. Um, and I think what I've seen a lot of large organisations do now is be a lot more flexible in terms of your nine to five hours. They're, they're letting people start a bit later and work a bit later or perhaps take a, a longer lunch break. I think from a manager's point of view, um, the role of a manager has become even more important when you don't have that sort of face-to-face -face interaction um, and you don't almost have that that social interaction within the office when you're able to overhear things. And um, a great example was given to me um, the other day where if you want to ask a colleague a question when you're, when you're in the office, you can do the hover where you uh, sort of loiter around the desk, the area, and wait to see when the good approach time might be to go and ask them. Whereas now we're, we're very much in digital communications. There, there's no way to hover when you have to send someone a video call or, or pick up a phone to ring them. And I think for managers, that, that must be quite difficult because they can't really sense the tone and the atmosphere within their team. Um, so there's a real onus on managers now to be more confident in, in talking to their employees about any of the pressures, strains from working from home that they might find, any of the individual needs they might have as somebody who is neurodivergent. Um, so it's important for them to, to get to know their team much better, um, know that they might not necessarily be a morning person, so it's better to have a conversation with them in the afternoon type thing. Yeah, and the point you made about this being embryonic, I think is absolutely true. And I've, I've really noticed neurodiversity and the conversation around neurodiversity becoming much higher in profile over the last couple of years. But yeah. whether that is backed up actually by knowledge and confidence um, to, to then support somebody in, in a team, I think that's probably a way, way further behind than sort of the concept. And you're absolutely right that there are some really positives for everybody, but including people with neurodiverse um, conditions around the way we're working now around flexible working and an outcomes focus and not necessarily that nine to five and things that I really hope will keep as a legacy for the future. But equally, there are strains as well. And your point around supporting managers and how they can, you know, spot the signs, for example, is 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 very, very different. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how do you think we can ensure that our neurodiverse colleagues are being supported adequately while working remotely in terms of accessing the technology they need? Yeah, I think that um, IT departments deserve a very large pat on the back given the current circumstances. I think a lot of the initial pressure and strain when you, you try to send home every single member of staff is on the IT networks and the support and the devices that they require. So absolutely from, from the organizations I've been dealing with, including my own organization, I think IT departments have been the unsung heroes of the whole transitional period. Um, as we look into more this being a more permanent fixture or certainly a, a mixture of working from home and working the, in terms of the office, I think it's really important to remember that in the office space, a lot of colleagues will have been given reasonable adjustments. And it's it's really important to see how those reasonable adjustments transfer to home, because they still will need to be supported. So 
whether that's been assistive technology that's been given, whether it's been a certain type of laptop they've been given, or even a certain type of chair from a practical point of view, it's important to make sure that those reasonable adjustments are still being met from home. And I know that in the initial stage of the pandemic, uh, schemes such as access to work had a, a slight slowdown, but I know that they're now very much fully back up and running. So it's very vital for organisations to be utilising things like the access to work scheme to have even working from home, uh, reasonable adjustments assessed and seeing what a person might need there. Absolutely. Point around IT being the unsung heroes, I think you're absolutely right. And IT is one of those things that nobody ever comments on or says anything about for the 99% when it works. Um, They only ever say anything about it, the 1% when it doesn't. And I I would do a shout out actually to to Darren in our team who did a fantastic job in transitioning us literally overnight to this remote working. So so yes, so uh, IT managers of of the world, we salute you. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Um, The point around adjustments is very well made. So we, we did um, a short survey of our members to find out how they were, were responding. And one of the biggest issues, as you'd expect, was around adjustments and portability and whether they were effective at home and ensuring the proper setup and getting them from the office to home. And also that people who are working from home, just who don't normally have adjustments, might need extra kit because they're working in a, in a place that isn't really set up, set up for their needs. That's a and- really great point, actually, um, because I think nobody in the the general population was prepared for this. So while some people are fortunate to have an office space at home, we, we've noticed a lot of people are working from sofas, a lot of people are working from kitchen tables, and it's it's very difficult to have an office life and a, a work life when your computer's on your kitchen table. It is. So I, I think things like that are important to try and look at adjustments there as well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, that whole work-life balance and also ergonomics and all sorts of things. It probably won't surprise you as well that... Um, the other really big theme that came out of the survey we did was around supporting mental health and well-being. So in the context of neurodiversity, what do you think line managers can be doing to support people better around mental health and well-being? It's it's a really great question and it's something I'm incredibly passionate about both professionally but also personally. I think in terms of line managers, they, they need to be aware. I think awareness is the big thing. Um, for, for some people working from home in the current situation will be brilliant. They'll, they'll be seeing their family more. They'll be, they'll be spending more time with their children. They have, they'll have a better work-life balance, but there's a very large population of the workforce who will be really struggling right now because they'll be in social isolation. They live at home, they live in an apartment, they haven't been able to go out. Um, and that can really take its toll on mental health, well-being of a staff member. Um, so I think companies have a big role to play in, in being more innovative in how they're tackling mental health and well-being. Um, I've seen organizations look at sort of drop-in sessions with their HR departments. I've seen line managers make themselves available for an hour every day for anybody in the team that wishes to drop in to just have a chat. Um, one thing I've personally noticed, um, and it's certainly something that Techsoup are now working on and a lot of other organizations are working on, is you kind of forget that you don't necessarily deal with every department within your organization, but you still do see those people in the kitchen and the water cooler when you're, you're walking through the office. And I think that that sort of niche social interaction is something that's really missing now between departments. Just that chat, that how are you? I've 
recently been lucky enough to complete a uh, mental health first aider course. So I'm now a mental health first aider for text help. And, and a lot of what went on during that course was just sort of cultural shifts in terms of being more outspoken as an organization. There, there's still quite a, a stigma around mental health. And I think there's a lot to be said for organizations being on the forefront there and having their first foot forward and speaking about the positive changes they're making without having to be asked. Um, so just saying that it's okay not to be okay and these are the lines that you can speak to and these are the people within the organization that you can have a chat to and it doesn't always have to be a manager, it can be a peer, it can be a friend, for example. Um, and I think those interactions are, are going to become more and more important the longer we stay working from home. I, th I think you're right and I think... Um the amount of stress that all of us are under, probably not even conscious of it all the time in working in this way it is just huge. And of course, some people are better able to cope with that than others for all sorts of reasons, whether that is to do with a condition or whether it's circumstantial, et cetera, et cetera. So actually knowing where to go for support and being able to talk to a variety of people is really important. And to anyone listening to this and thinking, isn't this about neurodiversity? One thing I would, would say about mental health and well-being is that people often think of it as an, an either-or, that you either, either have a mental health condition or you have a disability or a neurodiverse condition. And actually, the reality is, of course, you can have both. And so making sure that mental health and well-being programmes are truly accessible in all senses of the word, including to neurodiverse colleagues, is, is really, really important. So as we are working remotely, how can we ensure that colleagues working remotely can access, digest and work on vital information they need at the moment, whether it's information coming from their employers or information they may need related to their health or other things like information related to COVID, for example? Again, another, another brilliant question and very apt given the, the situation we find ourselves in. I see a lot of organizations, in, including yourselves, actually. Um, I, I tuned in last week for the launch of your Accessible Information Toolkit and uh, thought a lot of the, the content and resources available there were, were fantastic. Um, and I think it's vital at the moment that, that organizations reach out to people such as yourselves to, to gain the resources from that. Um, the transfer of information and how we communicate has, has never been more important because of the, the detail and the complexity of, of some of the information that's being shared. So making sure that the information that is being shared is available in a format that, that suits the person on the receiving end, whether that be an audio format, whether that be translated into a language that might meet their requirements. We have a, a lot of multicultural organizations within Northern Ireland and within the UK. Um, so I think making sure that the information can be understood and perceived by the person on the other end is very important. And that, that comes down to simple things such as the reading information or the reading level of the information that you're writing it in, the number of jargon words that you're using. Um, are you putting in any sort of definitions, abbreviations, easy read document at the end of the information that you're sharing for somebody that might not be au fait with a lot of the, the complex terms? And, if you relate that back to, to COVID specifically, there's probably a lot of medical terms in there. There's a lot of um, terms that people won't have been familiar up until about April of this year. So it's important to have definitions of what those terms may be for, for people to understand. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And thank you very much for the plug for our inclusive <laughs> communications toolkit. No problem. That's, that's much appreciated, which we launched last week. And um, you're absolutely right around the importance of communication and making it clear. Um, I love the thing you said about it suiting the person on the receiving end. That's the whole point, isn't it? And, and it's absolutely. so often forgotten. And things like jargon and things like colloquialisms. I'm not sure anybody says it's raining cats and dogs anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's nonsensical. And But to somebody who perhaps uh, takes things very literally, which can be the case for some people with some neurodiverse conditions. It's it's just useless as a piece of communication. Yeah, I think I think even really simple things that we we almost overlook. That if you're putting a video out to your organisation, make sure it has closed captions, make sure it has subtitles. Little things like that get forgotten about a lot. I think. Yep. And there are tips and advice in the inclusive comms toolkit on how to do all those things. We're all about the toolkits today. So I know you've done some great stuff at TextHelp as well. So so what sort of things have you done to make sure users are able to access the software they need from wherever they are working? Yeah, um, we reacted quite quickly in terms of knowing that people would be working from home. Um, we we benefit from have been in this this sort of place and this space for about 22 years now in terms of staff support and in terms of online accessibility support so we when we reacted quite quickly we, we kind of knew what we were doing we almost tried to preempt some of the the issues that, that may be faced so for example which are our, our read and write product which is our, our staff support product there to help staff who who have neurodiverse conditions such as dyslexia and things like that we we, we quickly reacted to, to making our, our license types available and, and offering an upgrade from anybody who an organization that may have a group license to a site license um, free of charge for a period of time to make sure that all staff were being supported we also looked at increasing the activations per license so that Yes, they may have this on their work computer, but now suddenly they've been handed a laptop. We didn't want organizations to have to go through another procurement process to try and get it on the laptop as well. So we, we simply increased the activation of the license that they had. We also then looked, based on your, your previous question, we looked at information and, and really the, the amount of information that was coming from both public and private sector organizations via their websites. With the shutdown of nearly every office in, in the world, a lot of traffic, we've seen a huge increase in traffic going to websites. So we wanted to make sure that organizations had the ability to make that as accessible as possible. So our online accessibility tool, BrowseLoud, we, we made that completely free for any organization and any website in the world for 90 days to help to, to cope with the current pandemic. And, and that is still the case if there's any organizations out there for a plug for me now, if you, if you wanted to have Browse Lloyd on your website, you can have that completely free for 90 days with no obligation. And that will help the users of your website translate it, have the text read aloud to them, simplify the jargon words, all that sort of thing. Fantastic. And uh, I, I'm very happy for you to have a plug. All the best, <laughs> all the best chat shows have a, have a plug, don't they? Um, Absolutely. And, and, and more seriously, for anybody listening who hasn't yet seen the light around um, having speech text sort of type software, do look at Browse Aloud and 90 days free trial, you know, you, you couldn't do better than that. So do get in touch with, with text help. I think that probably brings us fairly much to the end of our of our chat. Is there anything else, Stuart, that you would like to get across to, to anyone listening to this? Well, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. I think for me, 
speaking with yourself today, the, the one big takeaway I'm, I'm getting from it and the one message that you actually said that I'd really like to reiterate is that the, the mental health and disability trend that we talked about there, absolutely there is complete uniformity between those two things. It's not one or the other. And I think being able to support both at the moment is, is vitally important for organisations given everybody not being able to, to have a chat in the kitchen and the, the workspace. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. And, and for those who, who didn't spot the deliberate mistake, when I said speech to text, I meant text to speech, obviously. <laughs> Slight search, but they both are very good. Both have their place and both are useful. So thank you so much for joining me, Stuart. It's been great to chat with you. And I know you and the team at Text Help can provide further support to our members and partners people listening can contact you direct or do contact our team to find out more and we, we can put you in touch. At BDF, of course, we also have our own resources to support you, including our people manager guide on disabilities, which are not immediately visible. And of course, our new neurodiversity toolkit. And again, our sincere thanks to all those who contributed their time, expertise and content to help us create it. So that's BBC Cape, Santander, PwC, HSBC, Oracle, do It Profiler, Genius Within, Willis Towers Watson and Lexic. And, and again, a big thanks to Stuart Blair for being my fabulous guest today. And uh, do join me for the next podcast when I'll be joined by Nicola James of Lexic. This episode of the Business Disability Debates podcast series was brought to you by our sponsor HSBC. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's podcast, head over to businessdisabilityforum.org.uk to find out more about our resources and services. And why not give us a comment or rating on iTunes or just tell a colleague or friend about us? You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast or Spotify and look for Business Disability Forum podcasts and subscribe and you'll never miss an episode.